Hello and welcome to another episode of Thriller Podcast. Today we are talking Jay-Z getting into crypto, Microsoft banking on crypto, and Congress talking about crypto. We got our interesting video of the day with Elon Musk. And finally, in our main topic, we're discussing the Mount Gox treasure. Where you go? Who did it? Thriller Podcast starting now. Welcome to Thriller with Car Gonzalez. Broadcasting from Austin, Texas. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Thriller Podcast. Today, we are going to jump right into the news. Let's get into it. So Jay-Z expands portfolio to include crypto. Nas and Snoop Dogg have backed trading application Robinhood. And now Jay-Z has done the same through a venture capital called Arrive under his Rock Nation banner. So it's no surprise. This guy is an entrepreneur, businessman, hip-hop artist, Grammy Award winner, sold a million bazillion records. Um, yeah. So at this point, I'm pretty sure Robin Hood wants, you know, to be associated with Jay-Z, um, anything to get everybody on the bandwagon for Robin Hood. So yeah, good for Jay-Z. I guess he's gonna have 99 problems and Bitcoin won't be one. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. It was so easy. Uh, next one, we got Microsoft. So Microsoft is eyeing its role for Bitcoin and Ethereum in its decentralized ID. So everybody knows that, you know, Microsoft has their Microsoft Authenticator app. It's basically an app that lets you have two-factor authentication whenever you're trying to log into any of their products like Office 365 or any kind of their Azure services. So uh, according to Anko Patel of Microsoft's identity division, he said some block public blockchains, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, to name a select few, provide a solid foundation for routing, DIDs, recording, DPKI operations, and anchoring attention stations. That said, the company admitted that scaling is a key obstacle before a decentralized ID authentication can be available for millions of users simultaneously. As such, the firm explained that it now is eyeing and developing additional layers to achieve scaling go. To overcome these technical barriers, we are collaborating on decentralized layer two protocols that run atop these public blockchains to achieve global scale while preserving the attributes of world-class DID system, Patel wrote. So this is the exact same thing we were talking about last last week with the Lightning Network. Um, yeah, it was so that was such an informative um, podcast. I learned a lot on that podcast, and I would say if you guys you know, would like to see where Bitcoin is going in the future. This is exactly where it's going. It's going to start building, you know, those layer two and possibly layer three protocols. And then you're going to have those side chains as well. It's going to get pretty interesting here in the next three to five years when it comes to Bitcoin. Um, I'm hoping it becomes more than just a coin. So tomorrow it looks like Congress is going to talk blockchain. So they're having their Beyond Bitcoin Emerging Applications for Blockchain Technology scheduled to begin at Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern. So according to Coindesk, Congressman Clay Higgins noted that blockchain can be applied to digital information sharing, saying it's important that we continuously search for the most innovative processes to secure digital transactions and assure data integrity. Uh, so the hearing will look at its potential applications tomorrow. Um, he also told Coindesk, blockchain has a number of applications that can increase security, better serve consumers and bring efficiency to government processes. So it looks like to me they are getting on board fast. And then finally, we have a interesting news item from Coindesk. 
And this is one that I kind of was unsure whether to tell you guys, but since we're all on Telegram, might as well. Telegram founder crypto mining malware attack is due to app flaw. So, so don't get scared, but they found a potential malware inside of Telegram, but it had to do with somebody sending that user a file. And so, you know, all of a sudden Kaspersky, you know, the leading antivirus uh, software that's out there, they just jumped on it and they said there's a real vulnerability on Telegram desktop and they just over-exaggerated. Um, and now people are wondering if uh, Telegram is safe. And guys, it's safe. There really is no malware on Telegram. Um, it's just, you know, you know how you can send files over to Telegram. Just be careful whatever you click on. Um, you don't have to worry about that on our channel. Um, no one's sending any files. Everybody's just kind of sending images and stuff. So, yeah, it's just it's interesting. But, you know, like the way uh, Pavel said, he said, don't, so don't worry. He told the channel unless you opened a malicious file, you have always been safe. So, yeah, don't believe Kaspersky's report. They're all about selling antivirus software, so they're going to do whatever they can to spread the FUD. Anyways, with that, let's go ahead and get into our interesting video of the day. Cars, interesting video of the day. So there's an old saying, um, so it goes something like, uh, don't talk about what you don't know, only talk about what you know, and keep your mouth shut about everything that you do know, but aren't sure if it's true. Something like that. I forget how it goes. So I, the only reason I bring that up is because uh, we haven't never really heard of Elon Musk talking about Bitcoin. Like, I can't think of a single time, you know, that Elon Musk ever actually talked about Bitcoin. And he would be the person to ask, right? Just because, you know... He, he invented PayPal with his co-founder, Peter Thiel, and you would think he had an idea of maybe the premise of Bitcoin back then. I don't know. Just kind of seems um, kind of kind of like it would fit in his mold, I guess, in his head. Like, I'm sure he's thought about it. Um, so I have a video today of him actually mentioning Bitcoin. And it's funny because it was actually like three, four years ago. Um, so check this out. All the things that uh, the consumer... You, you want to have like all the financial services that somebody needs in one place, seamlessly integrated together and easy to use. Um, and I think really, really care about the consumer. I think a lot of banks don't seem to care that much about the customer. So um, I think there's an opportunity to be a, like a really good bank, effectively, but, but, but much more than what people think of as Do you a think bank. Bitcoin will be disruptive in that way? Now, my opinion of Bitcoin is that uh, I, I mean, I think Bitcoin is probably a good thing, um, but it's it's essentially uh, it, it, its main thing, thing will be. I mean, this will probably get quoted here and there, but the, it, 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 it's it, it's I think it's primarily going to be a means of of doing illegal transactions. <laughs> um, but that's not necessarily entirely bad because you know. <laughs> You know, some things should be, maybe shouldn't be illegal. Uh, so, um, but the combination of Silk Road and Bitcoin will save us. Well, it, it will be useful for legal and illegal transactions. Otherwise, it would have no value as a use of for for legal transactions because you have to have a legal to illegal bridge. Yeah, um, I don't own any Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, he said that he thinks it's probably a good thing. I'll take it. Even though that was like three, four years ago. 
Um, it was funny how he did mention the bank uh, situation in the beginning of the video. Um, I think, man, I really believe Elon can create a damn good product. Um, it would be interesting to see his take on what a bank looks like to him. That would be interesting because you could tell he would probably take it to like the, you know, to the new age. But uh, yeah, I thought that was a great video. If you guys want to check out the full video, he says a little bit more in the, before the end of that. And uh, it's in the show notes. And with that, let's go ahead and get into our coin talk. It is time. Everything you have been waiting for. Coin talk. Oh yeah, it's time for coin talk. My favorite time of the day. Actually, today wasn't actually that bad when it comes to uh, crypto. It was actually pretty profitable if you played the right uh, the right coins today. Um, yeah, some big gains here. I, I got a lot to talk about. I think uh, I think we're in for an interesting weekend, guys. Because if, if it's uh, if this uh, if it's leading up like this, this little bull run that we're on, I, I know. I know we're a little sideways. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying it feels like we're on. We're making a run. And you know what happens when we make a run? We start sprinting. So, yes, I love it. I think uh, I think here in as long as there's just nothing but good news that comes out of Congress tomorrow, um, I think we might be on a really good weekend this week. So looking forward to that, looking forward to the highs. Um, before we jump into that, though, I do want to thank all you guys. I got like several emails today um, about the episode yesterday about the uh, cypherpunks. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time making that episode. I had a lot of fun making it. I had a lot of fun researching it. Um, I, I kind of dug all over YouTube and dug all over the web to find the right bits and pieces of information. To, but to see the surprise um, from all you guys, you know, chiming in today, you know, on Telegram and then through email and, and social media, like, thank you so much. Like, that makes it worth it to me. Like, I really, really enjoyed putting that together. And uh, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed that episode yesterday. I know I had a lot of fun making it. That's why I'm, I think I stayed up pretty late last night to actually make that episode. I think it was up to like one or two, two o'clock in the morning. Um, so yeah, lost a lot of Z's, uh, and then tonight we're starting pretty late here too. So, um, we're going to try to knock out this Mount Gox story, which actually coming to look like now that I'm putting it together, um, you know, this evening, I'm starting to realize that, uh, this story is, you know, it's, it could be made into a movie, honestly, but, uh, hopefully it doesn't at least for now. All right, with that, let's go ahead and get into our disclaimer. Remember, Thriller Podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future, even if he thinks he can. He is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Coin Talk. So I will start off, or actually I will preface by saying, so when we look at these cryptocurrencies every day, you start noticing some trends. You start noticing which coins belong where, what coin's going to do what. I mean, the thing that you can't really predict are the spikes. Like there's no way to predict the spikes unless you're, you know what's going on ahead of time. 
because you see the news coming before everybody else does, stuff like that. But for the most part, coins usually act in a normal behavior day to day. Um, the, the, the When we had that dip about a week ago, that was our opportunity to be buying a lot of cryptocurrencies at a really low price and then flip them when they got back to their regular price. Um, I mentioned it a couple times. I'm actually mentioned it more than a couple times inside those podcasts for those weeks where it was in the red. And yeah, I know, I know there was a couple times where we didn't talk about it because it started becoming kind of apparent that it wasn't going to move up anytime soon. But now that it started getting it back up now, now I'm starting to see where those coins actually are. So there's some coins left that are still making their way back up. And those are the ones I'm going to bring up. Um, there was one that I, I told you guys about that was going to make its way back up. And surprisingly, it hasn't. And that's Cardano. Like, this is one coin that was at a dollar, 85 cents, 95 cents. And so it's been at 37 cents. It's been around the 40 cent area. And this is surprised, surprising me because I thought for sure by now Cardano would have gone up by now. But it hasn't. So that tells me one or two things. Either it's going to go up this weekend you know, to the dollar like it's supposed to, because that's where it usually sits at, you know, for the past couple of months, it's been sitting there or at least a past month that was sitting there. We'll see. So that's a possibility or it's going to stay around the 40, 45, 50 cent mark, which kind of sucks. I hope it's, I hope it's the first thing I said. I hope it shoots up this weekend, but this is one that I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's a couple other ones. We also said that, um, Ethereum classic was another one. When the dips were happening, Ethereum Classic was at $19, $20. And I told you guys, it's going to get back to $30. Sure enough, it's at $35 today. It's up 23%. This is another coin that, you know, could you could have made, you know, potentially 85% return just by investing a couple, you know, a couple hundred dollars just on Ethereum Classic. Um, We look at some other ones. Lisk is another one that was at $17 during the dip. And I remember telling you guys, Hey, you can make 50 to 100% just because it's, it's going to get to $29 right now. It's at 27 bucks. It's going to get to 29 That's usually where it sticks around. There's a couple other ones too, guys. So the ones that actually are left. Um, oh, forgot to mention Dogecoin. This is one coin that we've been watching every day. Dogecoin is making moves now. It's at six tenths of a cent. It's making a move. It was at four tenths of a cent last week. Um... And I believe during the dip, it was at two or three. Um, it's on a run now. It's at six tenths of a cent right now. If you guys want to catch it, I would jump on some Doge and then try to sell here once it crosses that penny mark. Because I think it might get to a penny here pretty soon. And we have seen it get to a penny before. We've even seen it get to two pennies, you know, during the uh, December spikes. So just saying on that one, that's another potential one that could blow up here pretty soon. There is one other one. Power Ledger. So when the dips were happening, Power Ledger was at 45 cents, 50 cents. At the time, I said, hey, guys, it's going to get back to a dollar, dollar 20. This is usually where it's at. Right now, it's at 76 cents. It's still going to get to a dollar 25, I believe. So this is another one that you could probably see, uh, I don't know, 75% return on your investment. This is another one, guys. So these coins, if you, if you watch them every day like, like we do, um, you'll start noticing these trends. And these trends will make you some money if you follow them. It's very simple, very simple math. It's just it's just it's just knowing which coins are going to go back to reality and which ones aren't. 
I'm still bullish. I think Cardano is going to get back to 85, 95 cents where it belongs, a dollar around there. So if you bought Cardano now and held at least till this weekend, I think I think Cardano can get back to that mark. That's the only coin out of all of these that hasn't gotten back to where it, where it belonged. Ripple's another one, but I think Ripple is a special case. And so yeah, that's a special case. I'm not that one. I'm not banking on that one getting up over three dollars this weekend. I mean, if it did, I'd be happy, but I don't think that's going to happen. But Cardano, I do think that's another one that could potentially get over eighty five, ninety five cents this weekend. It has to like it just doesn't make any sense if it doesn't. I don't know. It makes sense in my head. It's probably harder to explain that, you know, with facts or with math. But it's it's one of those things I've been watching this for so long that I just starting to see the trends and Cardano's one trend that I'm like waiting on. I'm like, why isn't that spiked up yet? It's supposed to. It does this. This is what it does. And yeah. So these other ones I've, I've seen. Um, and then also you guys know I'm super bullish on Stellar. That's not changing. But OK, now that I got all that out of the way, just because I wanted to give you guys some tips. Um, OK, Bitcoin, eight thousand dollars. That's awesome. Eighty eight hundred dollars. Up two percent. I take it. We got Ethereum at eight sixty five. That's fine. I think Ethereum gets to twelve here pretty soon. We got Ripple at a dollar five. This one's a special case, guys. Ripple's a special case. This is not going to be touched. I think I started getting excited because once I saw Ripple get to like a dollar thirty, I was like, oh shit, you know, something leaked, <laughs> you know, or you know, there's something because whenever I see coins like start making slow run ups on something, and this is probably what we're seeing, you know, with Ethereum Classic. That's another thing that I even think about until right now. I said that about Ripple. Uh, when you start seeing coins that just kind of climb up and climb up and climb up and climb up, it's because news is about to drop. Uh, and if you do the research, you can find out what news that is going to be, and then you can ride that subway to the top. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very simple. It's very easy to do that. Uh, Ripple was one that if it starts, you know, climbing a little bit, little little by little every day, then we know something is coming, and that something could be potentially big. Um, so. That's another thing you got to look out for in crypto. But this is why we do Coin Talk every day. This is why this segment is probably the most important segment of the whole show. And I think it's like one of those sleeper things that people don't actually listen to the advice that I'm talking about in here because they probably take it for granted. But it's one of those things that if you look at day to day, like we do on this podcast, like I do every day, every morning, I wake up, I take a look at the coin market cap. And then I look at everything, all the trends. I looked, I kind of have this whole rundown that I do every morning. And then by midday, I check again, check through everything again. And then by the end of the day, I look at everything again. And then I look at the news and then we construct the, the, the podcast. And then we talk about it again on the show. So I look at it total about four or five times running through everything. And so these are kind of the insights that I'm giving you guys that you can, you can kind of, well, I wouldn't say make money, but if you're like a day trader or if you're somebody that's, you know, in it already and you're just looking for that extra edge that you need, or maybe that's something that you're not seeing like a blind spot, let the podcast be that blind spot. That's all I'm saying. So we got Bitcoin cash at $1,200. Yeah. 4%. Yeah. That's, that's normal. I'm not. Yeah, that's normal. We got Litecoin at 181. So fucking Litecoin is making a run too. That's awesome. It's up 14%. I love that. We got Cardano at 37 cents. This is this is one that I, you know, this is one that hasn't the shoe hasn't dropped on it yet. I'm still waiting. I'm wondering like what the hell. But I have a feeling 
have a feeling this one might have a run on here pretty soon. Stellar went on a run today, went up 9%. It's at 42 cents. I think we saw it as high as 45 cents today. That's great. We got Neo at $114. EOS is making a mini run here. Uh, we got it at $9 now. So this is another one that's slowly creeping up every day, every day, every day. Um, and I think EOS got as low as uh, 6 bucks. I think, when the dip happened. We got IOTA at $1.87. This is another one. It was at $1.17. Dash 628. We got NEM at 53 cents. This is, yeah, this is a coin that we talk about every every episode. And this is one that just kind of kills me because I was like, whew, I thought this coin was gonna gonna do something, but it's just not. We got uh Monero at 246. We got ETC at $35. And this is it's up 23%, guys. This is one Ethereum Classic. This is one that I'm kind of I don't know if you remember, but a long time ago, I would say probably like December, I think December, when we were talking about new coins being added onto Coinbase and all that stuff, Ethereum Classic was on that list that we said. It was Dash, Ethereum Classic, and Ripple. Those are the ones that we said have the biggest chance of getting on Coinbase. Ethereum Classic makes the more logical sense to show up on Coinbase. Just saying. Um, I've heard Charlie... Lee actually mentioned Ethereum Classic. He said that that would be the no-brainer approach. Just because you already have Ethereum on there, you would implement Ethereum Classic. It would make sense. Maybe what we're seeing here, the run-up with Ethereum Classic, is probably knowledge known beforehand, possibly. That's what I'm saying. Whenever you see something like this happen, it's there's something behind it. And if you're looking through all the social media fields and you're looking through that, then you'll find it. But if you're not... Then you won't know what's going on. You got to do digging. That's what I'm saying. You got to do your research. You got to find out what's going on. I just like to find out stuff just to find out. I, I won't necessarily invest in it, but I will definitely find out just so I know what's going on. And I can report it to you guys. We got Lisk at $27. Lisk is another one that's going to get to 29 bucks here pretty soon. It got as low as 19, 20 bucks. Um, we got Tron at four cents. It's not really doing anything. Uh, we got Qtum at two at $32. Up eight, up eight percent. We got Bitcoin Gold at one hundred twenty-five dollars, up eleven percent. We got V Chain at four dollars and thirty-one cents. We got Icon at four dollars. Icon is another one. Icon is another one that can get up to seven dollars. We've seen that. We've seen that jump. We got Zcash at four hundred sixty-six. We got OMGO up twelve percent at fourteen dollars. Man, I wish I had some money to buy some OMGO. We got Steam at $4.28. We got Bitcoin at four tenths of a cent. We got Stratus at $8.24, up 5%. We got Verge at five cents, up 2%. We got Seacoin up 2% at two and four tenths of a cent. I'll take it. There you go, Seacoin. We got Status not really doing anything, staying at 21 cents. We got Dogecoin at uh, six tenths of a cent. I don't know, man. Dogecoin's making moves today. It's probably because um, the the devs actually showed up on YouTube talking to um, the actual uh, guy who created uh, Dogecoin. Jackson Palmer, baby. We got our chain at $1.88, up 11%. Woo! That looks good. We got Eternity at $2.59. We got Augur at $50. We got HShare at $13. Bucks. We have... Electronium at six cents. 
Man, I wanna I wanna I wanna dig into that one. Really do. We got Komodo and, and Arc at four dollars and eleven cents and twenty-one cents. Um we got Dragon Chain up seven percent. Dollar sixty-four. Nice. We got bat at thirty-seven cents up four percent. We have Denticoin at one tenth of a cent. Oof. We got Golem at thirty-six cents. And we got Bitcore at $25. We got Factum at 30 bucks. Factum is one that's really interesting. So it's up 7%. Factum was sitting at $45 right before the dip. Um, it's at $30 now. Shit. Damn, that's a, that would be a nice gain from 30 to 45 Man, That's a lot of money per coin, though. But it would get to 45 that's for sure. That's that's for sure. It's up seven percent, so you can tell it's running that way. We got Ion at two dollars and ninety four cents. We got Syndicator at sixteen cents. We got Funfair at five cents. We got Kincoin up six percent at two one hundredths of a cent. We have Saltcoin at four dollars and twenty three cents. We got Chainlink at fifty five cents. We got Nextcoin at nineteen cents. We have red coin at six tenths of a cent. Yep. And we have singularity net. Oh, baby. At 37 cents down 1%. You are 100th coin. Good on you. I think that's it. I think that's all we have for coin talk, guys. If you have any uh, requests, drop it in the telegram and we'll take a look at it. That's what we do. So now we're going to dive into our main topic. Today we are talking the Mt. Gox Bitcoin treasure. Where did it go? What is Mt. Gox? What happened? I'm going to tell you all of that, guys. It's a very interesting story. This is part of the um, the Bitcoin folklore that we all must know. If there was, you guys ever heard of that uh, 60 by 60 or no 30 for 30 for ESPN like they do those sports shows if there was a 30 for 30 this would be one of the bitcoins 30 for 30 of crypto it's like <laughs> you know we should start calling these like 30 for 30s but no seriously like bitcoin uh, mount gox story would be up there with a 30 for 30 like it's 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 part of our it's part of our history now at this point with cryptocurrency you know the same thing with the cypherpunks like there's a like yeah yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, and it stars no none other than Jed McCaleb. He actually was a part of all this too, as well. So, but not he had nothing to do with the hack, but he was a part of the uh, the beginning phase of Mt. Gox. So it's a really interesting story. I can't wait to dive in it. Let's go ahead and do that now in our main topic. Let's bring you up to speed. You know what? No, no, scratch that. Let's actually start at the end. I want you guys to understand the full impact of this story. So let's play the ending now. 
A setback for the legitimacy of Bitcoin. Tokyo-based Mt. Gox, a major Bitcoin exchange, has gone bust, secretly racking up $350 million in losses related to the virtual currency. The company's website is down, its CEO has resigned, and investors are picketing outside its offices. Colin Burgess came from London hoping to recoup $320,000 he had tied up in Bitcoins. I'm both annoyed and worried. It seems that I've lost all of my, all of my money and um, I'm annoyed that the company has been straying people along for, for so long, claiming that everything has been okay. Documents said to be leaked from the company, an 11-page crisis strategy draft laying out the scale of the problem, 740,000 bitcoins missing. Bitcoin started in 2009 as a currency free from government controls, winning over an eclectic mix of users, including libertarians, tech enthusiasts, and adventurous investors. But analysts say in order to build confidence in the virtual currency, that structure could soon change. Probably a, some form of partnership uh, will be needed, both with government and probably with financial institutions that have the gravitas to both build the, the network and uh, provide some uh, assurance in the uh, small cases of, of uh, um, uh, foul play. But Mt. Gox's demise could also drag Bitcoin down with it, as growing skepticism of the currency, which has already been linked to illegal activity, increases. So let's do a little story here. How about that, boys and girls? Yes, story time. So let's explain the people involved. There's Mark Carpellis. He's a French national who is the former CEO of Mt. Gox. There's Jed McCaleb, the founder of Mt. Gox, who gave the exchange to Carpellis. There's Noboki Kabayashi, the partner at Nagashima, Ono, and Tusmatsu, one of the Japanese largest law firms. He was appointed in 2014 by Tokyo District Court as a trustee of Mt. Gox, a bankruptcy estate. And then there's Peter Vesnes, the former CEO of CoinLab Inc. Now that we got the actors out of the way, Let's explain what happened. So many people call Mark Capellas a computer geek. They even call him a math whiz. But he's definitely not a libertarian, a politician, a financier, or an anarchist. So he was never well informed about the political and financial aspects of Bitcoin. It was a technology behind it that motivated and intrigued him. Now, Carpellis learned about Bitcoin in 2010 when he was providing web hosting services in Tokyo. And William Wasse, a French client of his in Peru, asked if he could pay in Bitcoin. Carpellis agreed, and he started to do some research on the currency. He thought problems that made for interesting challenges as a programmer. The beauty of the challenges themselves was sufficiently motivating for him and others to become involved. Then there was Mt. Gox. It was the first successful Bitcoin exchange that could cope with a massive number of users anywhere in the world. At its peak, it handled 80% of all Bitcoin transactions company became famous under Carpellis, but it didn't start with him. It started with Jed McCaleb. Uh, I think when uh, when I launched Mt. Gox, I think there was 2,000 people on Bitcoin Talk, which was yeah. which meant that that was there was 2,000 people that knew about Bitcoin at the time. So uh, it, you know, it was it was a I think everybody involved at that point thought it was a super awesome idea, but it was very unclear what it would take or if the, if the world would would embrace it. Uh, we, I think we all thought it would take a much longer time than it ultimately has, and we've all kind of been shocked at how fast it's been adopted. Uh, yeah, so, you know, for me, I built it just as kind of a hobby project to start learning um, about Bitcoin. 
uh, and I wanted to be able to buy it, and there was no good way to, to buy it uh, at that point, so, uh, so I made an exchange, and it took off. When did you see it take off so quickly? Um, I mean, it was a pretty immediate, just because, I mean, you know, take off as in, like, you know, the 2,000 people involved like, <laughs> liked it, but, uh, but yeah, so b by today's standards, it's very small, but, uh, but in terms of percentage of people trading Bitcoin, it was big at the time. Uh, I only ran it for a few months before uh, handing it over to, to the guy in Japan who ultimately was pretty incompetent, but um, yeah. Okay, well, speaking of that, um, right, so you, you handed over Mt. Gox and then it uh, sort of succumbed to a few hacks. And uh, so could you clarify what happened during that whole period with Mt. Gox? Sure, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't involved after early 2011, uh, and so Mark ran it. Uh, apparently, I mean, I only I don't really know much more than anyone else. Uh, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't really talk to him uh, after I sold it to him. Uh, but apparently, he someone hacked his thing, and, and bitcoins were being stolen over the course of years from him, which just seems uh, outrageous to me that he wouldn't have noticed. But I guess it is what it is. So it's pretty frustrating for me because I think if it had been run by anyone else, it could have been a much better story. So Mt. Gox actually became more than what Michaela had bargained for. In fact, it became so popular that it took up all his time, he began looking for someone to help him manage the site, and he found Magical Tux, a.k.a. Mark Capellus. McCaleb turned to him for advice and then sold the site to him for almost nothing. Parpellus thought the conditions were favorable. There was no need for an initial payment, just an agreement to share 50% of the profits for the foreseeable six months, with McCaleb retaining 12% of the company. Since Carpellus had already moved to Tokyo, the new Mt. Gox Co., LTD was based there as a subsidiary of Taban. Carpellus should have paid closer attention to the fine print. The main flaw in the deal was that the site had already suffered frequent Bitcoin and monetary theft. Perhaps he didn't understand how that would affect them. According to some sources, a Bitcoin theft even occurred on the day Carpellus acquired the site. McCaleb wanted the matter kept under wraps and convinced Carpellus to sign a non-disclosure agreement. It's possible more details may be released during Carpellus' trial. But sources close to the Japanese police investigation believe that more than 80,000 Bitcoin have already been stolen by the time Michaela sold Mt. Gox. But that's according to thedailybeast.com. So exactly two years to the date, June 18th, Carpellus settled down in Japan. And 14 weeks after the earthquake, and tsunami, and the nuclear meltdown, the first serious setbacks with Mt. Gox occurred. Carpellus was woken up at 3 a.m. that day. William Wasi, neo-future as they called him, on his cell phone and said, Hey, we have problems. Quickly, Carpellus confirmed that Neo Future was sane, and within seconds, he had shut down the entire system. Mount Gox was offline. Hackers had always wanted to invade the exchange. Some had tried. They would receive DDoS attacks, but McCaleb was smart. He had reportedly put a fail-safe system in place so that any missing coins, any missing bitcoins, would be replaced by a missing fiat currency, the value of which was less likely to change. But that initial cyber theft of 80,000 BTC began a spiral of trouble that may well have led to the firm's eventual financial collapse. You 
We have an email dated January 18, 2011, the year Carpellis was first approached about buying the site. Michaela wrote, Hi, Mark. Please keep all this confidential. I don't want to start a panic, and I'm not sure I'll do it yet, but I'm thinking I might try to sell Mount Gox. I have these other projects I would like to devote more time to. Would you be interested? It could be very little upfront and just a payout based on revenue or something. There's also an investment group that wants to find Mount Gox. Probably around 150k, so you would most likely be taking it over with some cash. Let me know. Thanks, Jed. So in an email of April that year, I can't tell you how big an issue it will be short 80,000 BTC. The price goes to $100 or something. That is quite a bit to owe at that point, but Mount Gox should have made a ton of BTC getting to there. There's also still the fact that the BTC balance will probably never fall below 80,000. So maybe you don't really need to worry about it. There are three solutions I have thought of. Slowly buy more BTC with the USD that Mt. Gox bot has. Hopefully you would fill up the loss before the price got out of hand. Buy a big chunk of BTC, really just moving the BTC debt into the US side. If BTC goes up in this huge win, probably is there isn't enough BTC for sale on Mt. Gox. Maybe you could find someone on the forum to do it. Get those Crystal Island people to invest. They have 200 BTC so they could fill in the gap maybe you could just mine it. So it's pretty interesting. This whole article is from the Daily Beast and they published all of this. So I won't go into too much more, but um, they have reached out to Jed McCaleb uh, regarding the emails and the correspondence between the two. Um, Yeah, nothing's ever been proven. They do have these, but, you know, this could have been falsified to protect, you know, Carpellus. Yeah, I mean, how hard is it to, to fake an email? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, there's just so much to this that I just think it's fascinating, to say the least. And all they had to do was just look at the blockchain to find out who did it, because ultimately, it is a ledger. Wilson, I was particularly struck by your opening remarks where you talked about how we can detect, uh, you know, the activity. And it, it seems that if we have this ability, which we theoretically should, that we would be able to find the missing Mount Gox coins. Uh, Why can't yeah, we? So we, we actually did find those. Okay, yeah, yes, so okay. Chainalysis was the official investigators in the Mt. Gox bankruptcy case, and the destination of those coins is definitely known. It's funny how everything's secret until it's not. So, you guys want to know who did it? Check this out. They may have found the 750 stolen Mt. Gox coins in the possession of the man who was just arrested in Greece. That's right. According to Chain Analysis and... Uh, WizSec Bitcoin security, the Mt. Gox coins were stolen, laundered through BTC-E, and perhaps all controlled by one man, allegedly Alexander Vinnick, 38 years old, allegedly had 4 billion USD in his possession. According to the chart provided by WizSec Bitcoin security, they can see the cash flow not only from the Mt. Gox hack, but also from the Bitcoinica hack 
and several other earlier hacks. Bitfloor was also mentioned. So it sounds like this guy was a professional. And uh, it sounds like he was taken little by little every time. And uh, like a good honeycomb, Mt. Gox was uh, giving its uh, giving its fair share of free BTC for him to take. It's a it's a hell of a story. I hope I tried to I try to get this to come together full circle. But uh, I hope you guys understand that the gist of everything. Um, yeah, fascinating topic. I'm sure we'll cover this again in the future. Um, everything that I grabbed has been from WISSEC. Um, there's, uh, some other articles too, as well. I'll put them in the show notes and link everything that we, uh, that we brought together today. So with that, go ahead and leave you guys with something. Yeah. Ultimately it's no one's fault. If you really think about it, it's really no one's fault. This hacker, he saw a vulnerability, he took it. That's, that's just the way the world is, you know? Jed McCaleb wanted to create something that he thought could uh, empower everybody else. Can't fault him for that. Mark Capellis saw an opportunity to take over and actually become something for once. Can't blame him for that. Ultimately, Bitcoin survived. Who I really feel sorry for are the users. I feel sorry that they threw their money on a centralized exchange and didn't think twice about Holy shit, what if Bitcoin moons? This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Thriller Podcast with Har Gonzalez. Remember, Thriller Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Har said likely won't come true. It is up to you. Now go do your own research. Listen to other dudes that start their name with crypto and not hard. And remember, buy Bitcoin and save the world, one Satoshi at a time. <laughs>